Well, folks, you may be seated, and I'd like you to open your Bibles this evening to the book of James. We're going to look at chapter 1 this evening. James uh, chapter 1. From the book of James, uh, chapter 1 and verse 2, we'll look at that in a moment. James 1, verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations or different kinds of tests, trials that we all face. But I want you to notice that he tells us to count it all joy. This is kind of like in an accounting term where we're to mark it down. In other words, when the test comes, can you really do that? Can you really count it all joy? You know, if it felt like joy, you wouldn't have to count it all joy. I mean, let's be real. How many faced some really difficult situations and you didn't feel one ounce of joy? I'm thankful we don't have to walk and live by our feelings. We can regulate, we can live, we can walk by faith and not by sight. And uh, so I believe that uh, if the Bible says count it all joy when we fall into different temptations, I believe that it's possible for us to do that. What's going on, babe? Did you get that piece of lint off? You, man, you're so good. You are an awesome helpmate. We didn't want to be distracted from this office. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, in fact, carnal people, they really act like they feel. Carnal people act like they feel. But spiritual people act like they believe. You know, in uh, Romans 8, I think it is, in Brown verse 6, it says, For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded, what does it bring? It brings life and peace into our lives. So in the middle of challenges, and you face them, and I've faced them, and if we allowed ourselves to do it tonight, we could have a top that tragic testimony service. (laughs) And so we know that Jesus said that in the world we're going to have tribulations. We're going to face trouble, right? But then right in the context of that same verse, in John 16, verse 33, he says, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. So in the middle of challenges, the Word of God says to count it all joy. And this is not some sort of a flippant, happy-go-lucky, you know, lightweight type of thing where, you know, you, you act like a fool. But I'm talking about joy being a spiritual force on the inside of you that strengthens you in your day of adversity or in your midnight hour and strengthens you to the point where it puts you over. Okay. Somehow you make it through. Amen? Yeah. You know, the psalmist said, he says, Yea, that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't have to be afraid. Now notice with me in verse 3. Would you read it with me, please? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So, He tells us, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations because you have some knowledge. What is the knowledge that we have? Well, we've got some inside information. Inside information. We know that when our 
faith is squeezed, when the squeeze is on, and when the test seems really tough, that's when it employs, if you will, or it begins to work patience. So the test of faith that you may be facing does not have to be to your undoing. The test of your faith can, in fact, turn around for a testimony and put a shine on your faith and give glory to God and give honor to Him. So he says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh or employeth patience. And then verse 4, it says, but let patience have her perfect work. So when patience is employed and when patience is operating in my life and in your life, the scripture says that it will have a perfect work. In other words, patience is designed to do something for you and on your behalf, but we must let it flow out of our lives and have its perfect work. So that, now notice, you may be perfect and entire wanting or lacking nothing. Now I like specifically what the Amplified version says, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read this to you out of the Amplified. It says, But let endurance, that's a, another word for patience, and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work, so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects lacking in nothing. I believe that's the will and I believe that is the plan of God. So allow this patience, this endurance, this consistency, this constancy, this steadfast trust in Him that no matter what I may be facing, no matter what I may be going through, I know that underneath are His everlasting arms and He's more than enough to carry me through to the other side. You know, we tell each other, well, you know, just be patient. You know, being patient does not necessarily mean just sit tight. To be patient means to persevere, to constantly stay after something. To steadfastly hold fast. The NIV says it like this. Perseverance must finish, finish its work so that you may be able to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So what I, I want us to, to look at, I want us to talk about at least for a couple of weeks, maybe a few weeks this summer. I want to talk about faith and patience. And how that faith and patience go together. And I'm going to drink to that right now. So we see that patience is a constant companion with faith. Patience, again, is not passive waiting to see how something is going to uh, turn out. One definition, biblically, of patience, and I love this one, it is cheerful endurance. Cheerful endurance. The testing of our faith produces perseverance. It is cheerfully 
enduring the passage of time. I'm going to make a statement that's very true, and I don't think I'll get a lot of happy people about it, but it's extremely true. We don't, I don't, have any more faith than I do patience. We don't have any more faith than we do patience. Why? Why is that? Because it's not enough just to believe God. You've got to believe God until. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're sitting in a miracle right here. Not, not many independent churches like ours own five acres of property that's probably worth about $12 million to $13 million right now. And that's what it would be appraised on in the market. But, but not many churches have this, this kind of uh, blessing upon their lives. And it's not because of who we are, but it's because of whose we are. But we purchased this property when it was a movie theater way back in 2002. Ingrid told me about it. And uh, it wasn't until August of 2007 before we had our first service. And you know what? And I, am, I, I say I'm proud in a good way, not prideful but I'm honored to be a pastor of a group of people that patiently endured. That patiently endured. That continue to thank God and to believe the Lord in the midst of the city not wanting us in here. In the midst of having to pay for a piece of property that we couldn't have church in for about five years. I'm thankful and proud to be a pastor of a group of people that knew how to fight the good fight of faith and patiently endure. See, it's one thing. It's one thing to believe God in 2002, but it's another thing to believe Him in 2003 and 2004 and 2005 and 2006. Until. I'm glad we're in our until. I think we ought to give the Lord a wave offering like Sunday morning. <laughs> anyway. All right. So the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You know, it, it's easy, and, and Brenda and I have been in full-time ministry really since 1977, so I don't even know how many years that is. I don't even want to know, but it's a while. We've been in this church 32 years as of July 4th this year. And, and this is not being critical, and it's not being uh, arrogant in any way, fashion, or form, but it's one thing to start out like a house of fire. You know, we're going we're gonna to do this and we're going to do that. We're going we're gonna to change the world. Well, are you now? Yeah, you are by God's grace. But all along the way, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be detours. There's going to be roadblocks. Isn't that how it is with life? We all have goals. We all have vision. It's easy to start out like a house of fire and quit. Starting out like a house of fire and quitting is just about the same as never believing. I just heard a drum roll there. Boy, that was just... Man, there went the service right there. Let's look over to Mark chapter 4. <laughs> Let's look at Mark chapter 4. And uh, we'll look at a few verses, verses 14 through 17. I like these Wednesday night services because uh, it's more kind of a classroom type setting and, and, and people are really ready to receive the word. 
Mark chapter 4, uh, verses 14 through 17. The sower soweth the word. The parable of the sower, the subject of the parable of the sower is the word. The seed is the word of God, right? And verse 15, he says, And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes two, three months later. <laughs> no, he comes immediately. For what purpose? To take away the word that was sown in their hearts. But these are they which are sown on stony ground. Now, one thing about stony ground is stony ground doesn't have any depth to it. There's no depth to it. So the roots are not able to get down very deep because it's stony ground. Who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive with gladness. In the verse 17, I want you to read it with me. Go ahead. Ready? Read. And so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately... Now notice that. So, it would be fair to say then that we all need some depth, right? So that our roots can go deep. So we could, if you will, hang on when it goes long. Hang on when it goes long. And it's going to go long. One thing I found out for sure, and so have you, that time tries trust. Time will try our trust. Now let's look again at James 1.3. He says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. It works it. It employs it. And then let's look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, uh, the 35th verse. Don't be discouraged just because some of the goals that you have established and set haven't come to pass yet. Don't be discouraged by that. God does not operate by time. He does not operate by a watch. You know, I, th- I believe in goals. And I believe that that when, when Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, I believe that a mark is a goal. Yeah. Now, I'll be honest with you. I have set goals that I have not yet seen come to pass. How about you? Yeah. But just because those goals haven't come to pass does not mean that I'm going to lose my vision. There's a difference between setting a goal and having a vision. See, we have established and settled it in our hearts what our vision here at Heart of the Bay is. That's reaching the lost. And that's healing the hurting. And that's maturing the believer. And we do have goals that we set and we press toward those. And we see many of them realized, but we see some of them not realized. But I refuse to get discouraged by a clock saying time's up because in him time is never up 
And so if you've set goals, don't be discouraged that they haven't been met. Just keep holding fast to the vision that God has placed on the inside of you. I believe that every one of us in life should have a vision. Amen? Amen. We should have a mission in life and a vision and a mission statement. Okay, that won't cost you anything extra. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10. Notice with me in verse 35. He says, Cast not away therefore your confidence or your trust, which has great recompense of reward. What does recompense mean? Recompense basically means payday. Does it pay to trust God? Does it pay to cheerfully endure? Does it pay not to let go of your confident, favorable expectation of God coming through and good things happening in your life? It pays. So he says, don't cast away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Now let's just keep driving this point home tonight for a few more moments. Look at verse 36. And I want you to read it with me. Ready? Please read. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. You know, it'd be easier for me to point to Brenda and Brenda to point to me and say, you know what? Honey, you have need of patience. But when I'm pointing my finger at her, I'm pointing three back at me. So point your finger at yourself and say, I have need of cheerful endurance. I have need of patience. You and I, what we're going to be like when it comes to faith and patience, we're going to be just like that Energizer Bunny. You ever seen that little Duracell Energize bunny? Just beating the drum, beating the drum, beating the drum. Keeps moving, keeps moving, keeps moving, keeps moving, keeps moving. May fall down, but gets up and keeps moving, keeps beating. That's what we do. (laughs) We keep believing, we keep believing, we keep trusting, we keep praising, we keep thanking. We keep giving God the glory. We might get knocked down, but we never get knocked out. And by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, He raises us up and puts us back on our feet, encourages us and says, Now, son, daughter, just keep right on moving. Keep right on going. Don't you dare quit. Don't you dare give up. Somebody says, Well, how long do I do this? Till it's done. In verse uh, 35 in the Amplified, in verse 36, let's pull that up there if you could. Verse 35 and verse 36. You guys got something stewing down there? No telling what goes on in that front row. Verse 35 and 36. It says, Do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence. For it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. For you have need of steadfast patience and endurance, so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God, and thus receive and clearly carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. Does God want you to enjoy to the full what He has so graciously given us? He absolutely does. He loves us so much, He's not mad at us like Keith Hershey says, He's mad about us. 
And he's made a bountiful provision for all of his kids. Great joy. Great peace. And so much more. Amen. Now the message translation of, of this, these verses says it like this. The message says, So don't throw it all away now. You've come this far. Don't throw it all away now. You were sure of yourselves then. It's still a sure thing. But you need to stick it out. Stain with God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion. Now, if everything just happened overnight, that wouldn't be relevant, would it? No. Think about the children of Israel, 40 years, wandering around in the desert, wandering around in the wilderness. They wandered around. Most of that generation didn't make it in, but there were two that had another spirit about them. Can you tell me those two's names? Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. See, the minority report was bad, but Joshua and Caleb, in the midst of that, they kept enduring. They kept trusting. And I can just see it in my mind's eye. Out there in the wilderness, Joshua and Caleb building a fire. And them looking at each other after a nice meal. And says, you going in? God said we can go in. You going in, Joshua? Yeah, I'm going in. You? <laughs> you going in? Oh, yeah, I'm going in. And how many of you know eventually they went in? <laughs> eventually they made it. And if you won't quit, you'll make it. Maybe not everything is going to seem like and be like you thought it would be. But you know what? God's got a great plan. My daddy knows best. Maybe you've gone after some things that you thought were the will of God and a little detour happened, but you know what? That detour made it taking you right into the perfect will and plan of God. Just do your best to live for God. Let go and let God. That's what they used to tell us in the AA in the 70s. Let go and let God. Man, I was in an institution with drug addicts and alcoholics and Catholic priests that were trying to get right. All sorts of people, man. And we'd hear these little slogans, let go and let God. I didn't even know what that meant. I was so loaded and stoned out. But finally, I came to the place where I understand what it means to let go and let God. Let go. Don't carry the weight of the world in your shoulders. Cast all your care upon Him. He cares for you. Cast your burden upon the Lord. Trust in Him. He'll bring great things to pass in your life. Another way we could say it is this. Delight yourself in the Lord. Do your best to stay happy. And He'll give you the desires of your heart. Now let's look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews, the sixth chapter, the twelfth verse. This should be helping some of you tonight. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping so. I'm believing so. Amen. It's helping me. Yeah. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Mm-hmm. And you do not have to keep up with anyone else other than the will of God for your own life. Right. Yeah. You know, you've heard the saying, you don't have to keep up with the Joneses. 
and the Joneses are here tonight, so I was trying to avoid that. <laughs> but uh, but you, you don't you don't have to keep up with anybody. You know, we had a we had a wonderful leadership roundtable meeting here last week. We had about sixty leaders from different churches in various areas, and two of the greatest leadership teachers in the land, uh, Gerald Brooks, is very close with John Maxwell. Um, has goes around the nation with Tony Cook, and they hold these. Uh, leadership roundtables. The papes were here. It was just awesome. And, uh, you know, I was asked the question, you know, how do I kind of pace myself in life and in ministry? And someone was whispering something in my ear, so it kind of caught me off guard. And they asked me if I had anything to say. And I said, no, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> and, and, you know, how do you, how do you relax? How do you, how do you pace yourself? How, how, do you, how do you do this? How do you Stay sane being in ministry. <laughs> you know? How do you not go crazy? You know? And so I've got a lot of handles on that. I, I for one, and Brenda for one, and I know our pastoral staff, we want our torch to be lit all the way to the finish line. We don't want to burn out. We want to keep burning on. But I think one of the keys that I, I've discovered in, in life and in ministry that have really, really helped me because we have an awesome church here. You know, we have about 1,000 members. But I have friends that have churches of 15,000. My son pastors a church as an assistant pastor down in Southern California that has 12,000 people. Uh, Mariner's Church in Irvine. So I, I know a, a lot of, you know, success stories. But success is not based on numbers. Success is based only on, are you doing the will of God? Can you say before the Lord, when the end comes, Lord, I've done everything you told me to do. So one of the things that really has helped me, and it took me a number of years. I'm 63 now. um, But, you know, when you're in your 30s and you're in your 40s, I mean, you really, you know, you really want to keep up with everybody. But one of the things that's helped me immeasurably is I just refuse to compare myself with anybody else. I just don't do it. Don't do it. Because you'll always find someone out there that's doing more. Uh, that's more handsome. Thank you, honey. That's a better preacher. That's got more income. That's got more clout, bigger buildings, more numbers. We used to go to ministers' meetings, you know, when we were younger and and the thing that would come up is, how many are, how many are you running? Yeah. In other words, how many people... As if that's some sort of a mark of success. Yeah. My answer today is, I'm running as many as I can. Right. I'm, I'm trying to run, run less off the older I get. <laughs> but don't, don't, don't get into that comparison trap. Don't get into it. Because if you get into it, 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 it what it does is it, it will put you in a direction trying to keep up and getting off the path that God's got you on, pursuing another path that God's got somebody else on, and it's God for them, but it's not God for you. Look at your neighbor and say, don't compare yourself. Anyway, we're digressing, but this is helping us. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. He says, now that you be not slothful, that's a nice Bible word for don't be lazy. Get out of the lazy boy, boy. That you be not slothful, 
but now followers of them who through faith and patience do what? They inherit the promises. What this is saying, stay with it. Anybody going in? I'm going in. Where are you going? I'm going into Healingville. How about you? I'm going into Miracleville. How about you? I'm going into Dead Freedomville. How about you? That's where we're heading. We're heading to victory. Amen. Shouting all the while. Amplifying. You don't need to turn it up there because we're, we're running short on time. It says, in order that you may not grow disinterested and become spiritual sluggards, but imitators, behaving as those who do through faith by their leaning of their entire personality of God in Christ in absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom and goodness, and by practice of patient, and I'll add this, cheerful endurance and waiting, they are now inheriting the promises. Amen. It's your inheritance. It goes on to say in verse 13, 14, and 15, he says, When God made promise to Abraham, because he could not swear by any greater, he swore by himself. Saying, Sure, blessing, I will bless you and multiply, and I'm going to multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, after he had patiently endured, what did he do? He obtained the promise. And we're going to go into that next week a little bit about Abraham, but that was decades It looked like it never would happen. It looked like Sarah would never give birth to the promised child. Can't you see Abraham and Sarah going down to the clinic? I don't know how old they must have been, but they come walking in. Sarah's probably 80-some. Abraham's probably 90-some. And they're going in for a checkup. Well, what, what, what do you need a checkup? Well, we want to check, see if she's pregnant yet. (laughs) <laughs> scoffers may scoff let the laughers laugh but you know what they got a miracle, got a and, they got yeah. and they got it through faith and they got it through patience and my friend it works the same way for you is it true though that your flesh just does not want to hear it <laughs> here's what the flesh says you know, when your flesh talks, you've got to talk back. Yeah. Or just tell it to shut up. <laughs> Has your flesh ever told you to eat the whole pie? Yeah. I won't ask you if you've ever done it. <laughs> but anyway, here's what the flesh says. The flesh says, get it now, anyhow. Yeah. And isn't that how people get in debt? And this program for our kids, Dave Ramsey has put a beautiful program out for our kids starting next week. That our children have the benefit and the privilege of learning stewardship at such a young age. This get it now anyhow is a lie straight from the pit. Get it now. Anyhow. But your spirit says, if you wait, it will be great. If you wait, it'll be great. Hallelujah. Amen. That's good. good things. God things. 
are worth waiting for. Let me just quote a couple more to you. I don't want to overdose you tonight on the word. Ecclesiastes, I can barely pronounce it. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 8. Listen to this. Just let this soak in your spirit, resonate in your heart. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Proverbs said it like this, you know, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And in closing, let's look at Romans chapter 5. Romans, the fifth chapter. We live in a world of quitters, do we not? The divorce rate among Christians is as high as it is among the world. People quit their families, they quit their friends. How many of you know the devil wants to discourage you to the point of quitting? But the Spirit of God will bring strength into your life. And He'll help you to stay strong. So in Romans chapter 5, in verse 1, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into God's grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, verse 3, but we glory in tribulations. How in the world can you count it all joy? How in the world can you glory in a tribulation? Because you know something. You've got inside information. You've got someone on the inside of you that's greater than the test on the outside of you. Greater, come on somebody, is he that is in you than he that's in the world. We could kick our legs and preach a little bit right now. Whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> could get beside ourselves. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation, it worketh or employs patience. It doesn't give you patience, but it works it. And verse 4 says, and patience brings on experience. And then when you experience, you have hope for your future. And notice verse 5. And hope never disappoints. Listen, having a cheerful, confident expectation will never disappoint. It will always deliver. It will always deliver. One way or another, whether it went the way you thought it would go, one way or the other, when you keep your trust and your hope in God, you won't live a disappointed life. Hope maketh not ashamed. Amplified says, Moreover, let us be full of joy now. Let us exalt and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient and unswerving endurance and endurance fortitude. Some of the things you're going through is building, whether you realize it or not, maturity and character in your life. Or approved faith. And it's also going to enable you to be walking in a greater degree of integrity. And this character of this sort, it will produce the habit of joyful and confident hope and of eternal salvation. Let's stand and let me pray with you tonight.